as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Almost forgot to plug my headphones in. Good, appropriate, time-appropriate greetings, depending on where you are currently located. Um, or when you're watching uh, watching or listening to the Schmidt Show podcast, thanks for joining me. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Um, we've got a lot to talk about today, so we're, uh, we're going to jump into actually quite a few things here. But we're going to spend um, a fair amount of time on the discussion about... Um, well, I actually got to go live on my on my Facebook page. I didn't actually do that, so... Let me get that done here real quick before we uh, continue too far into uh, into the the Schmidt Show uh, extravaganza. It is uh, we're going to talk about as we uh, as we get into things today. We're going to talk about college admission. Um, we we are we are in a place in um, in the United States where we have begun to uh, essentially intentionally dumb down the education system in an attempt to um i i want to say create diversity um or or somehow pretend that we are more diverse or that the college world or the educational world is more diverse than it actually is um when in reality uh there's there are um, there are some folks that want to go to college. There are some folks that don't. Um, there are some folks that want to go to college that can't. And for whatever reason, financially, uh, educationally, they didn't do well enough in high school. Uh, whatever the reasons are, they may want to go to college, but they just can't. They just don't have the the um, the skill set, the... the uh, uh, the the advantages or or maybe um even a little bit of of the right um they're maybe not part of the right crowd i guess they don't have the right last name is the one we used to use when i was a kid in school right there was always that that family or that kid that seemed to be picked first for every team and was was on the was the captain of the football team and was the quarterback and was the pitcher. And, and, you know, he was, he was always at the top of every list. He got the most playing time. And even though maybe a couple other kids were a little bit better um, because they didn't have the right last name, as we used to say, um, they maybe didn't get some of those positions that they maybe deserved. And so there is, there is a, an aspect of, of the university system that has that as well. Um, But trying to quantify that is nearly impossible. Trying to quantify what those advantages are or what those disadvantages may be on the other side is nearly impossible to quantify. It's nearly impossible to 
um, put a number on it and and show that, hey, this person would, if given the opportunity, be successful, or that person, if given the opportunity, would be successful. Um, but the college board, the SAT people, have begun this process. They have started um, a system or have begun to implement a system that is going to try to quantify who has advantages and who doesn't have advantages. There's a New York Times opinion piece written by a guy named Thomas Chatterton Williams. It's in the show notes. Um, if you go to the Schmidt Show uh, face or uh, you or uh, wow, the Schmidt Show, <laughs> the Schmidt Show website podcast, either podcast.theschmidtshow.com or just theschmidtshow.com. Um, it'll be in the show notes and you can read the article for yourself. But Thomas Ch- uh, Chatterton Williams wrote this uh, piece for the New York Times talking about what he called the bogus adversity score. Um, he is also the author of a, a forthcoming book called Self-Portrait in Black and White, Unlearning Race. Um, and he talks about his experience with the SAT and his best friend's experience with the SAT and his family's experience growing up in New Jersey and, and some others. He starts out the article this way. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. He says, between my freshman and senior years of high school in the late 90s, my father spent his evenings, weekends, and vacations drilling my best friend and me for our SATs. My father was born black in the 1930s in the segregated South and became the first member of his family to go to college, let alone graduate school. These were lean years for my family, and my white mother had to return to work after decades as a homemaker. We just managed to rent a small house on the white side of our de facto segregated New Jersey suburb. My best friend, who was black and Puerto Rican and attended parochial school with me, commuted, commuted from a less affluent and more ethnically diverse neighborhood where his parents, who did not have graduate degrees and were divorced but frequently living together, and pooling resources were upwardly mobile homeowners. When the time came to take the test, I scored a bit higher, though my friend did well enough to attend a selective four-year college where he flourished, eventually moving on to the Ivy League and Wall Street. Both of us worked hard and had some advantages, namely highly supportive and involved parents, and were able to succeed despite being members of a historically oppressed demographic. He goes on to say in the article, he goes on to talk about in the article how his experience, because of where he was, because of which side of the quote-unquote tracks he lived on, um, he had, according to what would now be, if he, if it had been implemented then, this SAT adversity score. He would have had or would have been scored with privilege, with advantage over his best friend. And his best friend would have been given special considerations or whatever by universities because of his quote-unquote disadvantage, his lack of privilege. The overall disadvantage level um, of this of this SAT test will be revealed to universities so they can choose with with various 
levels of of varying degrees who they will admit to their college or their university in an effort to give those who may be disadvantaged due to their neighborhood, due to their family situation, due to um, several other factors that we won't see, that we don't know because the college board won't reveal them. They won't be uh, forthcoming about what those advantages are. I think we're up and running on Facebook now. So uh, for those of you who um, who were wondering about where Facebook is, I think we are up and running. So um, anyway, there, the uh, this this SAT adversity score, they are unwilling to reveal what is in that score. They're unwilling to reveal what all of the factors are. They've, they've said with some generalities that it'll base, uh, you know, crime in your neighborhood. It'll be based on your family's living situation. It will be based on, um, your even ethnicity, which is, um, some of them had, had talked about, uh, or at least some of the articles that I could find on this had talked about, there would be, um, uh, not necessarily straight up race, but the over overall racial um, makeup of the neighborhood within which you live. Um, now, how they do that, I, I don't entirely know how they how they determine whether or not your neighborhood is uh, overwhelmingly. Uh, dominated by a particular race other than census data and demographic data, which of course is all public data. But the problem with that is this, as, as this young man, well, he's not a young man anymore, but when he was in his neighborhood and going to prepare or getting ready to go to college, he, um, he was a young black man living in a white neighborhood. His best friend was Puerto Rican and black living in a black neighborhood or predominantly black neighborhood. Their, their racial um, situation was, was nearly identical. His friend was half black, half Puerto Rican. He was half black, half white. And so their, their racial makeup was nearly identical. Mixed race, um, dealing with all of the things that young black men in that time period had to deal with. He, in the article, he talks about being called uh, a monkey while he was on his walking on his way home from school. Um, he was, he talked about having to uh, deal with, uh, and this isn't necessarily a racial thing because um, my biological father was, was also alcoholic, but they, they each had various, um, things that they had to deal with. He talked about his dad um, going through or, or growing up with his dad, who was essentially an emotionally abusive alcoholic, even though he was educated, even though he had gone to college and was also highly supportive of helping him get to college. It, it didn't touch on, it didn't touch on the nuance of his life that even though dad was supportive and wanted to help him get into college, it didn't change the fact that he was an alcoholic and emotionally abusive, as he points out in the article. And so this, this idea of the adversity score um, is, is something that should concern you, especially if you are a parent um, with kids growing up 
and preparing for college. My daughter actually just graduated from the university last weekend um, and is going on to work on a master's degree. Um, but she would have been, because our community is something like 88% white or something like that, the whole, the whole town, not just the, the neighborhood, excuse me, not just the neighborhood, but the entire town is 80-some percent white. Um, where we are, we, this community is a whiter than sour cream, uh, as far as it goes that way. But the, the reality is she would have been, had she fallen under this adversity score, she would have been very advantaged. I have a, an, a, a bachelor's degree. My wife has a, a diploma from a, a university in a, in a, uh, in a minor topic. I guess you would, you could say it that way, um, we we've been married for 22 years we live in a in a a nice community that has a a higher cost of living than than many places in the state even though even though we live in a 1978 trailer house in a in the largest trailer park in our in our city um now we're far from being disadvantaged i'm not going to sit here and pretend that that we are we are um, you know, living in abject poverty and unable to make ends meet, but we are certainly not uh, rich and and rolling around in piles of cash on the weekends for fun. Um, we are on a budget. You know, we do the Dave Ramsey every dollar budget. We are we have to watch our P's and Q's. We're putting money away for retirement and all of those sorts of things, but we're not driving around in new cars and and. Uh, you know, leasing the latest and greatest of of the the highest end, you know, BMWs and Mercedes. I drive an 06 Honda Ridgeline, um, and my wife drives a, a 2012 Nissan Altima. Neither of which are are high end vehicles. They're comfortable. They run well. They're 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 you know reliable and all of those sorts of things, but. We are we are certainly not advantaged, but we're also not disadvantaged. But according to this score, from what I can tell, because like I said, they're not really revealing the 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 factors appropriately, we would be considered probably highly privileged. We live in a low crime area. We have a we live in a in a community that is that is essentially racially um, monochromatic. Um, we live in a community where, uh, overall there's good access to healthcare. There's good access to, to entertainment and shopping and, and all of those sorts of things. And, and again, I'm, I'm trying to somewhat guess, um, based on the, the vague factors they have released as to where we would stand, but we would be well, well, well above the line that says, we are privileged when in reality we're just basically average you know and and it's and i don't say that i don't want to make it sound like i'm complaining because i'm very happy with my life i i live a comfortable life i'm able to pay my bills i'm i'm able to um put a little bit away for retirement i wish i could put much more away um at 43 years old i'm starting to look ahead in the next 20 years and knowing that i'm going to need um some some extra cash before I retire or I won't be able to retire. So, you know, I'm making some choices in my life. I don't, like I've said, I, I live in that trailer house. 
Um, I mentioned this on my on my terrestrial radio show uh, multiple times. I don't know that I've ever mentioned it here, but I live in that trailer house not because I have to, not because I can't afford anything else, but because I don't want to afford anything else. I don't want to. I would rather take the 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 money that I'm earning and put it away for retirement to to use it my son and I do competitive trap shooting and we've traveled around the country uh, a, a few different times not a lot I think four or five times in in the last three years we've traveled to various parts of the country to go uh, to these various trap shooting competitions and things and I would rather spend money on that spending time with my son spending time with my daughter helping her with college and and those sorts of things than I would um wasting it on a great big house that I couldn't then afford to 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 do anything else with the rest of my life. I would much rather uh spend it on things we're sending my wife as a mother's day gift um and her birthday gift combined to her sisters uh in California on a on a week long trip to uh to do that because they don't they live far away and we don't get to see them very often. So um we're, we, we do things like that instead of live in a big, fancy, expensive, expensive house or drive expensive cars and things like that. So anyway, the point of all of that, the, the, the point that I'm getting to with all of that is we would be considered highly privileged as a white family in a, in a comfortable neighborhood with low crime and, you know, low divorce rates and, and high um, uh, higher cost of living and higher uh, opportunity for wa- earning a higher wage. Um, we live in a very low unemployment area. The state of North Dakota is like less than 3% or some absurd number like that. It's just incredible how low the unemployment rate is in our state. So um, overall, we would be considered to be highly privileged. Um, and pretty much anyone in this community, from what I can tell, looking at that SAT uh, adversity score, what they have revealed about it, anyone who lives in this town, and for the most part, anyone who lives in this state, would be considered highly privileged. And I can tell you from experience that there are a lot of people in this community who are anything but privileged. And so this idea that we have to somehow um, apply an adversity score to college admissions in order to make sure that everybody has a fair chance of, of succeeding or a fair chance of getting into the university that they want to get into is, is somewhat um, disingenuous and I would even say borderline racist. And it comes back to this discussion of the of the uh, the affirmative action stuff, right? There's there's been a, a magnitude of debate um, on the issue of of um, I always forget the name of this, and I just said it. Affirmative action. There's been a magnitude of debate that has has. Um, overwhelmed nearly every other discussion as it relates to college admissions when you start talking about affirmative action. The problem, though, is what affirmative action suggests is 
And, and, and this is, I can't believe I've not heard really anyone else talk about this. I think the only other person I've ever had this discussion with or ever heard anyone else talk about as it relates to, to um, affirmative action was Walter Williams. I, had, um, I was lucky enough or, or blessed enough or whatever you want to call it to, to have Walter Williams on my radio show for an interview a couple of years back. Uh, my radio show, as I've mentioned many times here on the podcast, is uh, it's the Schmidt Show. It's on on the on terrestrial radio on News Radio thirteen ten KNOX AM and one zero seven nine KNOX FM in Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, or in the local area, pretty much the entire eastern half of North Dakota. Um, the uh, you can also find it on knoxradio.com and listen live 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time if you want to want to uh, listen to more of what I've got to say and hear a little bit more about with caller interaction and and listener interaction and things like that which we're working on getting done here as well the problem is with podcasts of course so many people listen to podcasts after the fact I, even though I do uh, record the the uh, the podcast live. Um, it is, it is something that we, um, we also put out and so many, in fact, most, a majority of folks, uh, don't listen live. But anyway, um, I've mentioned on my radio show, um, several times that, uh, and now I, I just confused myself and ran myself off the, off the, off the trail or off the rails. And I can't remember what I was talking about. Um, we were talking about the way... Oh man, I can't believe I did that. I have totally just lost my train of thought. I got so excited about telling you about my radio show. This is the problem with podcasting. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go down this trail for a little bit. For those of you who uh, for those of you who listen to the Schmidt Show and have been listening since the beginning, um, you know that I can be a bit schizophrenic sometimes as far as it relates to my. Uh, my delivery, my ADD gets the best of me sometimes. Um, and I have a tendency to go off on tangents. And if you listen to my terrestrial show, you know, I also have a tendency to go off on tangents. Um, and that's exactly what happened here. I went off on the tangent telling you about my radio show and I forgot what I was talking about. Um, and what I was mentioning or what I was going to mention that I'd say on my radio show all the time. And I can't remember what that was. So I'll have to come back to it, I guess. But, um, in the end, let's, uh, let's try and get this train back on the tracks. Um, the, uh, the, the idea that we, oh, affirmative action. I, I mentioned this on affirmative action. That's where I'm at. Affirmative action. Um, affirmative action and as I said, I've mentioned this many times on my radio show, what you have to essentially believe in order to buy into the discussion of affirmative action is that because you are black, because you are Hispanic, because you are uh, some other race or some other ethnicity that is or has been historically disadvantaged, then we know that you just are not capable. We just know that you're not going to be capable of getting accepted into a university. We know that you're not going to be uh, accepted into anything more than you know a trade school or or some sort of community college or something like that. You'll never be able to get into um, a quote unquote real college or uh, a a an elite university because you're just not good enough. You didn't come from the right stock. You didn't come from the right 
neighborhood. Um, we know that your parents were garbage. We know that your family is garbage. We know that your upbringing is garbage because all people who look like you, your your upbringing or your family or your neighborhood, we all we know they're all garbage. So just by definition, we know, or simply by the color of your skin or by the the uh, the particular um, history of your your. Um, family. We just know that you're probably garbage too. And so therefore we have to give you special preference in order to get you into the university. So we don't feel bad about not having enough of people like you in our group. And, and the idea of affirmative action is so blatantly racist that it's, it's, it's mind numbing to me that we have people all across the country and all across the world essentially that have bought into this idea that if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic, if you're this, that, the other Somalian, whatever, if you are one of these disadvantaged groups, we just know you're not good enough. So we're going to, we're going to treat you differently than we would treat the white kids like that. I mean, that is, that is the definition of racism. That is exactly what racism is. It's treating people differently simply because of the color of their skin. And and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why this is so popular among a group of individuals who claim to be so anti-racist and anti-discrimination. Um, that to me just, uh, it just doesn't make sense. So, um, as we start to talk about this adversity index, which is essentially just another extension of uh, affirmative action, and and some are even arguing, and and from what I can tell, some of the debate as this adversity index begins to um, gain in popularity or grow in popularity is beginning to to be implemented in various places. It at the same time, there are various court cases that are seeing. Affirmative action cases, affirmative action laws um, shot down by various judges, acknowledging that by giving a particular individual simply due to their race a special privilege, that is by definition discrimination and therefore illegal. So some of the affirmative action laws are being struck down. And so this adversity index is, is the argument or the debate is that the adversity index is a a kind of underhanded work around to affirmative action. It's a way to get to affirmative action without actually implementing affirmative action. And because the the factors are not um, public, are not made public, there there can be no scrutiny by the public. There can be no scrutiny to those who would say, "Hey, wait a second. Just because you live on 4th Street and I live on 8th Street doesn't mean that you should get any advantage over me or I should get any advantage over you. Just because five of your neighbors are of a particular ethnicity and five of my neighbors are of a different ethnicity, that we should be given or chosen for universities or colleges or other things because eventually... Um, some of these things will be applied in other areas as well, that you should get some sort of privilege or I should get some sort of privilege. That is, by definition, discrimination. Um, it says 
the overall disadvantage level will be a part of what's called an environmental context dashboard. It incorporates demographic and census data to profile high school students along a scale from 1 to 100, relative poverty, um, opportunity, and achievement on the SAT in relation to their classmates. A score north of 50 indicates adversity. Below that threshold lies privilege. And colleges, of course, will see this number, but students will not. We've already talked about that. But here's, here's what the, 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 uh, this Thomas Williams writes. Uh, about that. He says, though there are a near infinitude of ways, ex- both explicit and subtle, to experience challenges in life, the adversity index will restrict itself to just three categories neighborhood environment, family environment, and high school environment. Like those, those three things in the minds of the people running this test determine your ability to succeed. Where you grew up, what your home life was like, and what you experienced in high school. And if those three things aren't in line with some arbitrary idea of what privilege looks like, then we have to disadvantage other students in order to allow you to be successful. And, and the sinister nature of something like that is, is problematic, to say the least. And the reason I say that it's sinister is that we are not only essentially telling these students that, look, we know that you're not capable of doing this on your own, so we're going to give you a special privilege. We're going to give you a head start, whether you need it or not. Because we just know that you're garbage. We just know that you're not good enough. Um, we know that you're not smart enough. We know that you didn't have the right uh, privileges growing up, that you were somehow disadvantaged. The second reason that it is so sinister is that it dumbs it down for everyone else. That, that those who are achieving naturally will... not have to, or, or not be allowed to be rewarded for their hard work. And so if you can simply get into college based on, or get a special level of funding or a special level of, of, you know, student loans or whatever, based on your, your demographic, it creates a host of other problems. As we've seen with the recent college scandal, the college entrance scandals, Yale and Stanford and a few others, uh, Aunt Becky um, getting her kids into into school um, by you know fake being fake members of the water polo team or whatever it was. That that situation proves that with the right resources, anyone can cheat the system. Given given the enough time to kind of think it through, and especially if you have access to to resources, anyone can get into college. And and how that works in this particular situation, let's just say, for example, that Aunt Becky, with her millions of dollars of of full house money, I don't know if she's actually a millionaire or not, but she's obviously got some money, um, with her millions of dollars of full house money, 
if she is able to, um, if she is able to say, well, here, how, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to buy a house. <laughs> uh, I guess I love Mo, you are fantastic. I love that you <laughs> trying to rescue me. Uh, I did have a squirrel moment there. Um, the, the the way this plays out with Aunt Becky and her millions of dollars of, of full house money is they what they do is they buy a home in a garbage neighborhood. You know, they can they can afford to buy a a, a five thousand dollar house in a rundown deserted area of Detroit or a ten thousand dollar house in a rundown area of uh South LA or East LA or West LA. I don't know where, what is the rundown part of LA. They can go and buy a trailer house in the most rundown, cheap trailer park in their community. And, you know, not ever really stay there, but use that as their quote unquote personal, uh, personal uh, residence. The next thing they do is they, you know, file a fake divorce paper or file a fake divorce proceeding and mom goes to live and makes the the quote unquote home residence the trailer house now the daughter is a a, a member of a divorced family in a rundown neighborhood that's predominantly made up of a a particularly or historically disadvantaged racial ethnicity uh, or whatever well all in reality you know aunt becky and and Uncle Jesse still live in their their full house mansion in the Hollywood Hills. And because neither one of them is currently, quote unquote, working on a movie, they can hide the money that they already have through uh, accounting um, gymnastics because they can hire the the most expensive and, and smartest accountant in the country. And suddenly, the daughter, the son of a very affluent, rich celebrity gets to take advantage of the SAT test and its new adversity index. This isn't that hard to figure out. But one of the things that makes it a little bit harder to do, unless you can, again, afford to hire someone to take the SAT test for you, like Aunt Becky and Uncle Jesse did. I don't know if I don't know who I don't know what her Lori Laughlin. I don't know what her husband's name is. I'm just making it up. Um it one of the things that makes it harder to do is actually perform well on the test. Like if you're rich and you're exclusive and you're elite or or whatever um you know cultural definition you want to put on wealth and privilege. You're going to be able to accomplish all of this stuff anyway. You're going to be able to figure out a way to, to get through and work the system and game the system anyway. Let's not give them any other advantages. Let's not give them any other avenues to be able to game the system. So if, as, as I've said before, if you are a parent, and you've got kids that are getting ready to go to college or just in the, in the, the future are considering universities. 
I would very, very strongly recommend finding a more effective way to educate your children for their futures, whatever that may look like. It doesn't have to be a four-year university. Now, if you want to become a, a doctor or a lawyer and, you know, and pass the bar and, and do some of the things that are a little bit harder, you know, get your medical certification, you got to go to medical school. I get that. But if your desire is to be um, involved in marketing or involved in, or your child's desire, I should say, involved in um, the one that I can think of specifically is graphic design. My son is very interested in graphic design, and he's recently run across a guy by the name of Chris Doe. He is the uh, he's the proprietor of a YouTube channel um, called The Future with no E F U T U R, um, and he does um, he talks about design and how to do you know graphic design and brand design and all of those sorts of things. Um, but he also is a professor at a, a, an elite design school, a design university. And he's got a, a YouTube or a YouTube video that he talks about or, or asks the question, should you go to design school or would you be better off learning the design skills and, and things that you need to be a successful designer um, somewhere else. And it's a, I'm not going to try and it's a 30 some minute video. So I'm not going to try and quantify it in just a, or, or summarize it in just a couple of seconds, but go check it out. The guy's name is Chris Doe D O. Um, and it is, it is uh, it's called, should you go to design school is the name of the, the YouTube video. So go check it out. It's interesting. And it applies not just to design school. It applies to everything. But as we are looking into the future uh, of the university system, I, I fear that, well, first of all, and this is maybe a discussion for another episode of The Schmidt Show in general, but one of the, one of the things that I, I fear or consider, um, one of the things that I would consider or or would recommend as it relates to universities that we need a complete and total revamping of the entire university system um <laughs> text or uh, facebook listener facebook watcher says uh that uh aunt becky is is um is divorced currently divorced so um looks like her kids are already privileged because they've or or sorry disadvantaged because their their parents are divorced um Anyway, um, where are we at? Let's oh, school. The university system needs to be completely revamped and 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 just start over. I, I mean, almost to the point where it needs to be torn down um, to the ground and and completely reevaluated on how we're educating our kids because the modern university system just isn't working. It's it's a it's a it's an abject failure. The graduation rates are abysmal. The the um, the 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 value for money of a university is is near laughable. I mean you think about the money that you spend, and he talks about this in this YouTube video, should I go to school or, or should I go to design school? He talks about that. It's a very elite design school. It's a, it's a uh, half a million dollar in investment to go to this design school. It's a very, very elite, um, top of the top, best of the best design school. And so the question that he kind of asks is, 
would you get $500,000 worth of value out of it? And one of the things that they bring up is, well, as a as an animator, it gives me an opportunity to create a 90-second um, a 90-second uh, demo reel that I could, you know, take around to, you know, whatever DreamWorks or whatever other animation studio, Pixar Studios, Disney or whoever, in order to get a job. And he breaks it down and, and how long, what part of the, the education does you, do you create this reel? And I, I don't know how he figured it out, but he says it's essentially $90,000 um, to get to um, the time where you put together this 90-second demo reel. Well, at $90,000 to get to a 90-second demo reel, and he points this out, not me, he says, essentially what you're saying is that your demo reel is worth $1,000 a second. And everybody in the room kind of chuckles and realizes, no, there's no way that my 90-second demo reel is worth $1,000 a second. And I would never pay anybody $1,000 per second to help me create a 90-second demo reel. And so the, the point being is if you are looking for university, if you are looking for education for your kids, if you're looking at it for yourself, I would seriously consider finding ways to be creative in doing that. This guy, this Chris Doe talks about, you know, go find the top titans, the 10 top titans of that particular industry that you want to learn about. Maybe those Titans are in your own community. Maybe you don't even really need to get to the Titans, but you just need to get to someone locally and, and say, hey, can I pay you $10,000 to shadow you for the next 30 days, 90 days? Can I pay you $10,000 to learn from you over the next month or six months or three months or whatever it, what, whatever it is? And most of them are going to say, sure, why not? You can give me $10,000 to follow me around, learn from me. And you'll be better off in the end because you'll learn it real time from the real people who are doing the real work. Now, is that always going to work? Of course not. Is there going to be pushback on that? Absolutely. I'm not suggesting that that's the, the only idea. But as we continue to see the degradation of the university system in our country, and as we have continued to see the decline of the public education system in, in, in the elementary and, and high school fields, um, we've got to start being creative on how we educate our kids. I've chosen to take my child, my son, my daughter graduated public school. My son, I took out of public school at the eighth grade and he goes to an online school, um, called, uh, Freedom Project Academy. Um, I, he's not doing his homework as quite as effectively as I would like. Um, but that's not on the school that's on him. Um, and I think every high schooler I've ever met, um, at least at some point didn't want to do their homework, but that's another discussion for another day as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've chosen to go, I don't want my child in this toxic environment. I want them to be able to learn and experience and, and dig into the world in a more efficient way, a more cost efficient way. And, and find a way to get a better education because the public school system, the university system, isn't getting it done. And that's a huge problem. We, we rely on, as a society, we rely on a quality education system that is fair and educates all children and all young people with integrity and character and morality and all of those sorts of things. And this, this, this SAT score, this adversity score is, is absolutely contrary 
to um, everything that we understand about those principles of education. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all teachers are bad either. I have friends that are teachers. I have friends that are university professors, um, and they're good people. And, and they try very hard to do the best they can and educate our kids as well as they possibly can. The problem, the problem is so many of them are simply, um, they're, they're handcuffed. They're hamstrung by the system in general. <laughs> On the Facebook page, um, somebody asked the question, will the courts... Have mercy, quote, on Aunt Becky. Um, I don't, you know, I, th- I thought all, I thought a few of the others pled guilty, and I thought she's fighting it, pleading not guilty. Um, I guess I haven't followed. I'm not big into celebrity news. I just don't care. Um, I don't care what Beyonce's doing. I don't care what, um, what, I don't know who are, I don't even know who the celebrities are. Who's the, who's the latest and greatest celebrity right now? Um, yeah, I know Britney Spears has been in the news lately because she's having another meltdown. I, I don't know anything about celebrity, so I don't really care. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought I saw somewhere that she was uh, she was pleading not guilty and she was fighting while everybody else is uh, essentially going to throw her under the bus and uh, and uh, and plead guilty. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. But anyway, that's that's my thoughts on this whole diversity, this SAT adversity score, where essentially what we're doing is is dumbing down the education system in an attempt to um in an attempt to create some some false sense of of diversity. All I know is this. Um we all know that you all listen to the the Schmidt show, you know the Hig. You've seen the Hig. He's out again today filling in um for the the broadcast company that I work for. Uh he's filling in for one of our our shows down in St. Cloud, Minnesota again this week. Um but the Hig, I know that if I need heart issues, if I have heart things that I need to get taken care of, I'm calling Noah's dad. He's a, a very, uh, a very uh, qualified and highly skilled heart doctor. But he's Indian. He's, from, he's originally from India. You've seen the Hig. You know what he looks like. You know what his dad looks like, therefore. Or at least a, 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 an approximation of what his dad looks like. And so if I'm going to get heart stuff done, I'm going to go see him. And I don't care if he's from India. I don't care if he's white, black, yellow, green, purple. I I don't care if he's gay. I don't care if he's transgender. I don't care what he is. Can he fix my heart issues if I have him? That's what I want to know. If I go to a neurosurgeon, I don't care if he's white, male, female, gay, straight, lesbian, transgender, black, Hispanic, you know, whatever diversity identity group, I really, really don't care. I just want to know, are they skilled enough to handle the issues that I may or may not have with my brain? And I think the most, I can't believe some radical feminist is going to go to the hospital with a brain aneurysm in need of emergency brain surgery. And as they're wheeling this person into the operating room, they're going to say, ah, wait, 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 wait. I don't want a male doctor. It's got to be a female doctor. It's about time there was more female neurosurgeons. 
We need a female neurosurgeon. I'm not going to get this surgery until I get a female neurosurgeon. Because if, if that's really the principle, if it's all about you know feminism or racial equality or whatever, then when, when are we going to see you know, feminists or, uh, or advocates for, for racial equality and all those sorts of things refuse life-saving surgery or life-saving attention unless they get a particular uh, or particularly diverse uh, individual to perform said life-saving technique, whatever the, the issue be, right? If the IRS is auditing you and looking to confiscate your house, I bet you don't care if the accountant that's going to help you is white, black, yellow, green, red, male, female, whatever. I bet it doesn't matter. I just want the best accountant who's going to keep me from the, the IRS taking my house. That's really, in the end, that's really all that matters, is who is going to provide the service in the most efficient way. So anyway, that's, that's my thoughts on the issue of diversity and adversity and all those sorts of things. I want to kind of change gears here and just wrap up on this discussion. Uh, Tucker Carlson, apparently, I didn't actually watch the video. I read the transcript of it and I linked to, um, I don't know, what is this? Uh, Real Clear Politics. I, I put a link in the show notes uh, to Tucker Carlson talking about, quote, nobody hates diversity more than rich liberals. Um, He's talking about Donald Trump, from what I can tell. I didn't read all of it. I just saw it. I thought it would be kind of fun to to look at real quick. Um, the uh, the the Trumpster wanting to send uh, asylum seekers and or uh, illegal immigrants to quote unquote sanctuary cities. Um, the <laughs> It, it it is it is hilarious and and I would suggest reading the the transcript or at least watching the video. Um, the <laughs> the idea that Trump wanting to give the left exactly what they want in diversity and wanting to offer them them an opportunity to to show how much they care about the downtrodden and the poor and the immigrants and all that kind of thing by sending them to the cities who have, have, have expressly um, bragged about how diverse they are and how diverse they want to be and how much they want to offer sanctuary to illegal aliens. Um, but then when he offers them and gives them the opportunity to actually do it, they suddenly have changed their tune and don't want any part of it. And they're saying, you can't do that. That's not fair. That's not right. You can, we don't want those people in our communities, is what they're really saying. So what they're saying, what the left, what the, what the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's and all of those are actually saying is, we want illegal immigrants in your communities. We don't want them in ours. We want them to come live with you we don't want them to come live with us. And, and the reality is Tucker Carlson is exactly right. Nobody hates diversity more than rich liberal, liberals. The same thing was it uh, Kennedy, Teddy Kennedy. You know, didn't want, he wanted wind towers everywhere, but he didn't want wind towers out in the ocean blocking his view of the ocean. He didn't want the wind towers screwing up his view from his backyard. 
That's that's the reality. They they want all of this, but they want it for you, not for themselves. What's good for thee is not good for me is the uh, the battle cry of most of the mainstream radical left. So, um, yeah, go check that out. Like I say, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's it's just uh, it's an interesting kind of a side note um, to, uh, to dig into. So anyway, this is the Schmidt show podcast. I am in fact, your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this week. Once again, um, we've had a great time spending time with you and, and talking about this kind of stuff. Uh, I appreciate your willingness to be patient with me as we are learning how to do this whole podcast thing. This is episode number 39. So next week is episode number 40. I don't know what that means. Was it 10 months? I think we've been doing this now. Uh, We started last year in August. So I appreciate your patience with me as I'm trying to figure out this whole podcasting thing. It's been an interesting uh, adventure. It's been an interesting experience because coming from the the terrestrial radio world where oftentimes it's phone call after phone call and text message after text message um, that I can respond to and interact with. Um, it's a little bit harder doing a an hour-long monologue without interaction from you, the listener, or without interaction from uh, callers and others. So it does make it a little bit more difficult. Um, and I apologize that it causes me therefore sometimes to to ramble a little bit or uh, get lost in my my thoughts as I discuss the various topics but I appreciate your willingness to be patient with me I thank you to all of our patreon supporters uh, for coming alongside of us and helping us out this stuff is not expensive as or is not cheap as it is right now uh, the few dollars that I am bringing in through uh, patreon uh, is essentially enough to co- cover the cost of the infrastructure the um, you know this the scale engine for for getting the um, uh, the the stream out the the computer the the cost of the podcasting uh, support structure and and all of those sorts of things so if you want to be a part of the show and 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 help us expand and and grow the the show you can do that just go to patreon.com and you'll figure it out i, I trust you i'm not going to beg for money because uh if you know how to do it if you understand how this stuff works you'll figure it out um but yeah if you wanted to help i certainly won't uh, i certainly won't turn it down um and beyond that uh i guess that's pretty much all there is to it for this week so we will see you um, in seven days. Thanks for joining me and the Schmidt show is out for today.